0: The Medical College of Wisconsin, Office of Student Health and Wellness presents Well, 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 where each episode, a very special guest and I discuss what it means to be well in the world of health science education. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Well, Well, Well. I'm sure I sound a bit like a broken record by now, but I just have to say I'm very excited about this episode and our special guest, Sarah Bennett. She's a fourth-year medical student originally from San Francisco, California, and she's applying into pediatrics this year. Sarah and I have a really inspirational conversation about her experience being diagnosed with a learning disability at the end of her third year and just the specific challenges and barriers that she had to overcome throughout this process. She's shed some light on some of the MCW resources that she found particularly helpful and a huge win despite her specific learning challenge. I am forever grateful to Sarah for coming onto the podcast, being open to sharing her experience with students. So I hope you enjoy Sarah's story and find it as inspiring as I did. All right. So thanks, Sarah, for joining me in this episode. I'm so excited to have you here. What I've been doing a recently as sort of an introduction or an icebreaker question for the guests is just asking, what's one way that you've been promoting your wellness or taking care of yourself recently?
1: It's been a little difficult with fourth year and being on rotations different every month and even every week. It's been really hard, but definitely working out is something that I use a lot to promote my wellness. Specifically, I love going to Orange Theory, but I think that's because I need motivation of somebody else telling me what to do in a workout. Mm -hmm. Um, So it works really well for me.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I hear those are pretty challenging workouts. Can you confirm or deny that?
1: (laughs) they can definitely, they definitely leave you sweating and being like, yes, okay, I'm glad I got here, but that you might need some motivation to actually sign up for the classes. But it's really nice to have like a community and people around you and you feel like you have the support while you're working out, which sounds very cheesy, but it's really nice.
0: No, totally. I get that. And also, I'm just thinking back to how you were mentioning, it's more difficult in fourth year. What I hear from third and fourth year students, um, is that your schedule is just so unpredictable, right? Like you don't really have an end time per se each day. And so how do you feel like you've been able to prioritize fitness and actually schedule the time to get to orange theory?
1: No, that is something that I have struggled with and it's dependent a lot on what rotation I am. So for example, I'm on pediatric emergency department right now and I'm on nights. So my shift starts tonight at 7 PM. So I was, you know, sleeping for the most of the day and now I'm awake and, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what time of a class can I go to? And it obviously it doesn't work out perfectly every time. Um, so it's then okay, what else can I do? Can I go on a walk? Can I do, you know, a run around my neighborhood, or is there other stuff that I can can do that will make me feel like I got that workout in, even if it doesn't mean that I go to an Orange Theory class that day.
0: Sure. Kudos to you for like your flexibility and just the commitment to fitness. I think that's so admirable. That can be one of the more challenging, I feel like dimensions of wellness to nurture during this experience. So bravo.
1: Well, thank you. I'm still not very good at it. So I am, (laughs) I am trying to do better for the year.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Good job. Um, so kind of jumping in then to this the, the the topic of learning disabilities and the impact it's had. I know you're you're definitely coming from the med student perspective, but I think we're we're acknowledging higher education in general, right? So it might it might apply to other students at MCW outside of med school. but what would you like to share with your fellow MCW students regarding your own experience, navigating your education and, just to to also acknowledge, not just like any old education, right? Like where like such a specific like medical school challenging type of professional education with a learning disability.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit about my story. So I found out that I was dyslexic at the end of my third year of medical school. So it wasn't like something I knew coming into school that I have had for a really long time that I've learned how to deal with. So I was going into my third year of medical school, coming right off of step one. And I have always had a, a lot of trouble taking standardized testing and taking multiple choice testing. It took me multiple times to take the MCAT before coming to med school. Um, step one was a challenge for me. So I knew that there was always something going on, but I really just attributed it to my anxiety. Um, it wasn't until I had kind of talked through my anxiety and, you know, how this was really affecting me with my therapist that I realized, you know, maybe there's a different component in there, like an ADD component or something else that I could get tested and then treated for to then excel on my exams. Because unfortunately, as a medical student and as a medicine provider, you don't really ever stop taking exams. Like, you think you're done after step two or step three, but it really just continues for the rest of your career. So I knew it was something that I was going to have to eventually overcome. Um, so I ended up getting neuropsych tested and later found out that I was dyslexic, um, which was not what I thought going into the testing at all. Um, and so it was, it turned out that the way that my brain processes information is that I read the question and I think they comprehend words differently in my brain. So I actually answer a different question than what's stated, um, which was like a very big aha moment for me because it gave me an answer to something that I've been struggling for a really long time in my life of, okay, this makes sense. Like it wasn't that I didn't know the material. It was that I literally just couldn't read properly on the exam. And that was very enlightening and also felt like taking a huge weight off of my back because for so many years I had doubted myself and had imposter syndrome and just constantly was like, I don't understand. This is so frustrating. I'm studying so hard and nothing is coming together. Um, And so it was, it was really enlightening to learn, but it also was kind of an identity crisis trying to figure it out because then it was like, Oh shoot. So do I have to relearn how to read? Like, have I read it all properly in the past? Like what does this mean for medical school? Like, how do I change the style and the way that I'm reading and compensating at 27, mm-hmm. you know, which is very different than learning when you're, you're dyslexic at eight, where you're still right. f- figuring out how to read. Um, so it was, it was difficult to navigate and to try and figure out, especially as an adult, because I don't think there are many of us who find out so late in life that they, you know, have a different learning
0: disability. hmm I was going to to mention that and I, I know that you were really deep diving into the resources and I know that you searched high and low and yeah, just that point that so many of the resources are curtailed to children, like elementary age children, right? And so you were looking for resources specifically for that adult diagnosis of dyslexia and I'm sure that had its own barriers and struggles, you know, whether that be through MCW or in the community as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was difficult because a lot of the counselors or a lot of the people who work with students who are dyslexic want you to form a process of how you go through things. And it's really difficult to retrain yourself once you've been doing a process for so long, especially as a medical student. I mean, how many exams have we sat through? How much time have we spent studying? You've think you have a process, it's hard to completely rebuild that after so much time. Um, but something that I found was actually really helpful was I turned to Med Twitter um, and kind of was looking through different medical accounts and different accounts for physicians with disabilities and was able to connect with other medical students who either always knew they were dyslexic or recently found out they were dyslexic and really connected with them on, okay, what was your experience? What worked for you? Who do you have that you can talk to? And that connection really served me well.
0: I love also just the note, and this is kind of going back a little bit, but the the idea of like clarity and it sounds like validation to a light bulb moment where you can explain sort of where those specific struggles came. I'm just curious, like as far as your identity as a learner and that sort of aspect, did, did it impact that at all? Did you feel like you had to explore that piece of it?
1: yeah absolutely and i don't think it really hit me how it kind of was impacting my identity or who i was as a learner until a couple months after the diagnosis i received the diagnosis in the middle of internal medicine and was starting to study for step two and i think i just kind of was like okay i know this information now i'm going to use it and then i'm going to compartmentalize everything else and deal with it at a later time and then it was kind of when I was talking and working through my personal statement and talking with friends and talking with family about everything that had been going on over the last couple of months, I realized how much it kind of affected me, which sounds silly to think that, you know, finding out whether or not you could read or not was is like a huge part of your identity. But I think it just – it I had struggled for so long with just not believing in myself and really – feeling like I didn't belong and feeling that I wasn't smart enough and feeling this imposter syndrome that I didn't belong where I did. And it was a mistake that I made to med school or that I was like the pity, um, acceptance to get in and stuff like that. And, you know, it, it helped me realize, no, I, I am supposed to be here. I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. Like, yes, I have gotten through hard times, but, you know, it, I just want to serve that as an example for other people. Like, you can not do well on a test or you can, like, n- you know, not do as well as other people on step one and yet you can still get where you want to go.
0: Right. Like you're here succeeding, despite the fact that you have those barriers and specific challenges. And that's so it's inspiring, right? I mean, it really is. And I, I agree, it's sort of like that a little bit of a freeing piece, you know, and maybe like the deeper reflection of, okay, right, like, does one test you know matter as much as as it feels like in the moment you know that I can have failure like straight up <laughs> failure you know not, yeah not just even to the extent where oh I performed a little less than I would like to have right but you can experience like flat out failure and still oh absolutely. be resilient and succeed and move forward and
1: I remember it was our second year. It was our first set of exams in our second year. And I had straight up failed an exam, like did Mm -hmm. very poorly. And I walked out and was very open about it because I probably used dark humor to deal with some of my (laughs) own problems. But it was was very interesting to see how other students would come up to me and say, oh, I also did really poorly, but I didn't know that people did poorly. So I didn't say anything. Like it's such a part of medical school that people don't talk about it, and we don't understand and I think that's what makes us better medical students and should be more talked about like of course you're going to fail at some point how are you expected to learn every single information every single point that we're taught and able to keep it in your brain for as long as we have to and use it whenever you need to you know
0: absolutely and yeah just thinking about how validating it is and freeing it is to know that I'm not the only one you know we know this like concept of like common humanity and the collective we is so powerful in how we process what's happening to us and just how we build resilience and move through this world and and just even specifically like the space at MCW. And so we know that people being vulnerable and sharing their failures and just kind of commiserating on that level can be, can be really powerful. Sarah, in your experience... And opinion, how might medical school and like higher education in general support students with learning disabilities? Like, what do you think was was primary for you?
1: Well, kind of what we talked about earlier is that most learning disabilities are figured out or diagnosed when you're in elementary school or middle school is even kind of considered late. And so I don't think it's necessarily on a lot of higher education's radar of, oh, okay, there's actually, you know, this continues. Like you don't grow, it's not something that you grow out of once you hit college or grad school or medical school. It's something that's still there. And I think it's just a, kind of a first step of acknowledging that um, and realizing, okay, like there is more to it. Um, but also knowing that, There are a lot of steps in this process and this world is complicated and trying to apply for accommodations and getting the right resources and knowing what steps you have to take in order to apply for those accommodations can be really complicated and confusing and also time consuming. Um, And so I think it's really important to acknowledge that and maybe dedicate a role or somebody to that role um, in order to make it easier for students who are trying to navigate the space and to make sure it doesn't overly overbear somebody else who's working in other fields in the medical community, you know?
0: So yeah, having somebody whose dedicated role is to focusing on supporting those students with learning disabilities. And it sounds like probably arranging for a testing. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> we'll leave the dogs in. We have to, we have to, we have life outside. Remember? And, and I'm, um, it's my dog and I'm dog sitting. So that's <laughs> the power of two right now. And there's probably nobody outside. Sarah, was there anyone else um, in academic affairs or student services who you worked with or met with to kind of help you navigate your process? Yeah, I worked with
1: Molly and Cheryl a bunch. Um, and I think it was just, you know, I was looking for anybody and anyone who had any experience working with people with disabilities or working with the MCW community in terms of that. Um, Specifically with my dyslexia, my uh, psychotherapist um, or my neuropsychological therapist recommended that I do text to speech. So having something read to me rather than me trying to, you know, just have extra time and reading it on my own. Um, And obviously that technology is available, but it's still pretty new. So working with Cheryl and Molly was great because they were able to connect me with The exams people at MCW, so I could work with them about, okay, how do we get text to speech on ExamSoft? Is that possible? Um, And they were able to use their connections with the pharmacy school to see examples of how that had been used in the past. So how do we use it for medicine? Um, So it's just kind of, it was this game of, okay, how can we figure this out together? But I think through the connections that everybody had, we were really able to figure out, you know, what can we do to better support the, the next student who comes and says, oh, I also have dyslexia.
0: Sure. So even after we receive those recommended accommodations, there might be some legwork left, right? Basically just like ensuring that that specific accommodation can be made. And I think that goes back to the idea that, certainly the process is dependent on circumstances, right? And the specific diagnosis and, and accommodations.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there were different times where, you know, for third year you're taking your exams on the MBME software, which is different than ExamSoft. and emailing the MBME people, they don't have the availability or the technology to do text to speech. So then it was coming up with another plan and Dean Sow was very helpful with all of this of okay, so do I read it out loud to myself? Do I just need extra time? Do I, you know, am I allowed to have a piece of paper? What is the things that I can do instead since the technology won't allow me to do this? So um, they were very helpful in figuring out what the best thing to do for me. It just took time to try and figure that out. Sure,
0: and I think we can acknowledge testing accommodations is sort of that the primary first thing we think of, right? As you said, there's lots of testing going on, lots of exams, um, so it's sort of the first thing you think of, but. Um, were there accommodations in other areas, such as like on your rotations or anything like that that you had to work through? Yeah, so something
1: I wanted to figure out was and had to kind of relearn is the right way for me to study. Um, I always thought that I needed a textbook and to highlight over and over again, and that's kind of what got me through. But now learning this, that I had to... You know, look and experiment different ways. Something I did is I would add a text to speech um, software into my browser on Google Chrome. And so the extension allowed any web page to be read out loud to me. And so that really helped. I was able to include text to speech on my Anki cards, so they read out loud to me while I was trying to memorize them. Um, I also had the same thing with UWorld, so I was able to have that text-to-speech software in Chrome read out loud UWorld to me. And even though I knew, or I, I was, you know, I wasn't sure whether or not I was going to be able to have that on my exams or Step Two, it helped me learn the material because then I was able to hear it and hear the explanations while reading and while taking notes for myself. Um, in terms of my clinical rotations, I didn't really need anything else in person since a lot of that was just, you know working with my attendings and working with my patients and having that rapport with them obviously there were times where I would say the wrong thing or I'd mix up words or whatnot that I think I became more (laughs) self-aware once I found out my diagnosis Um, but they were so understanding and most of the time they just thought that was nerve so it wasn't a big deal at all
0: sure do you have any specific successes or wins that you could share with us so despite this diagnosis do you have any wins that you could share
1: yeah, i think I think my biggest win is my improvement on step two. Um, I was really, really proud of myself that I, you know I had two months after learning my diagnosis to really before my test date, um, and I was able to kind of sit down, figure out the best way for me to study, figure out the best way for me to learn, and that really helped me improve my score on step two, even when the USMLE denied me accommodations, um, and so that just felt like a win of, okay, I can do this on my own, and I now I have the right tools in order to do this on my own, and I have that knowledge, and I'm very
0: proud of myself. Yes, that's so awesome. Congrats yeah, it was a good feeling. (laughs) So I just want to say a million and one times, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being so open and for just, first of all, being a guest at all on the podcast, but then being willing to talk about some of these challenges and share your story. And I think that it will be valuable to other students at MCW. So I'm just so grateful for you coming on and doing this today I really really appreciate it oh my pleasure thank
1: you so much for having me and thank you for doing this I think it's an excellent idea and I'm really excited to see what future guests you have
0: yes and just to close out Sarah students are so inclined to want to reach out to you or just to connect or follow up with you on anything how can students reach you how can they find you
1: yeah, email is probably the best way. Um, for So my email is sbenett at mcw.edu. Um, it's kind of weird. It's Bennett with one N and two Ts. Um, but that or even social media, kind of whatever the best way is, I will respond and we can meet up and talk.
0: Very cool. I will say the one N and two T's have thrown me off. <laughs> yes. Yes. It throws off everyone. I <laughs> So I can attest to that. Yes. I, I, I feel like I have it memorized now, but it's funny because usually as I'm typing your name, I say out loud to myself, like one
1: N two T's. <laughs> oh, yes, no, I think
0: it's going to be like
1: engraved. I'm surprised my family doesn't have like a tattoo or something on right. our, body, our bodies yet. <laughs>
0: And I'll be sure to share your email in the show notes as well, if that's okay with you. Yeah, that would be awesome. Reach it there. All right. Well, thanks so much, Sarah. Thanks so much, Carrie.
1: This was so fun. I really appreciate it.
0: Carrie again. I just wanted to let you all know that if you do have additional questions as to the process at MCW for approving testing accommodations and any sort of accommodations that would be related to a learning disability, please refer to the handbook that corresponds with your specific school or program, as each is just slightly different. I can tell you generally speaking it does involve receiving that testing, providing the documentation or the test results of that, along with a letter accommodation recommendations from that provider and then if you have any previous paperwork from past institution where you received accommodations you can provide that as well but that primary go-to person within your program might be different so please again refer to that student handbook for more information I hope you all enjoyed this episode stay well